You're listening to Finding My Own Weird, where we'll follow yours truly on a journey to discover my own authentic weird self. I'm your host, Christine Lassiter. Joining me will be amazing guests who found their own formula and are living and thriving as their own wonderfully weird selves. So hold on tight. It's about to get weird. My son, Tyler, was a really weird kid. And I mean this with all the love in the world. I mean, he's awesome in every way, but he was definitely weird. I worked at the daycare when he went when he was four, and I would watch all the other kids running around playing. And he was running around as well. But they didn't notice him. He thought he was playing with them. But to them, he was invisible. At five, he was reading college geology books that somebody gave us. He became very interested in dinosaurs. Now, I know it's not unusual for little kids to enjoy dinosaurs, but we aren't talking about Barney or the land before time. We're talking about knowing the period, the size, what they ate, how to spell all those dinosaur names. I didn't even know how to spell those names. And he didn't play with his dino toys. He studied them. I think it was his intelligence and near photographic memory that made it difficult for kids to relate to him. He would be telling them all these facts and they just couldn't connect. He would continue to stay invisible and tell about his fifth grade talent show. At the time, he was watching a lot of Brian Regan. And Brian was a cleaner comic. He made a lot of weird noises and was goofy. Tyler loved him. So for the talent show, Tyler decided to do a Brian Regan comedy routine called Stupid in School. He rehearsed and rehearsed over and over again for weeks. The day of the talent show, Tyler got on stage and he nailed it. And I don't say this as a mom, because one of my faults is that I don't gush about my kids about things that aren't real. Don't ask me how he did in sports. He not only had every word right, but he put the most perfect inflection in. The students were roaring with laughter. The teachers had tears of laughter just streaming down their face. I had heard him do it a thousand times at home, but in that moment, with him giving it all, it was like I'd heard it for the first time. It was hysterical. It was a score. From that day on, people knew who Tyler Clark was. The funny thing is nothing had changed about him. He was still the really weird kid who knew way too much about way too much. But they saw him because he did something they could relate to. How many times have we dismissed or not seen someone because they were different, unusual, or weird? I think we're missing out on some of the coolest people, and we don't even know it. By the way, Tyler's still weird. And he's still one of the coolest people I know. Love you, kiddo. Our next guest had their own time of being that smart, unusual one who lived a completely different life than their peers. Between busing to a different school for a gifted and talented program, taking swing dance classes in high school, and now hosting a women's pinball tournament, she is using all that weird to showcase some really awesome skills. Today, we're talking to Lexi Whitmore. Hi, Lexi. Thanks so much for being here. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Sure thing. We put out there that, or I put out there that I'm looking for guests and you reached out to me and you're like, hey, what about a competitive pinball player? (laughs) Is that weird enough for you? (laughs) That's got some potential. So, um, so yeah, we connected there, but one does not, one is not born as a competitive (laughs) pinball player. There has to be a journey to get there. So let's talk about your journey. Where'd you grow up? 
right. Um, I grew up in Spokane, Washington, which All is right. just about 300 miles from here. Mm-hmm. Um, raised by my single mom. She had four kids. I was the second of her four. Uh, we grew up pretty poor, but she uh, did her best to make sure that we never wanted for anything. She made sure we went on all the school field trips, that kind of stuff. Uh, my mom's a pretty hardworking lady. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, growing up, um, I remember in, I think it was our third grade, like, standardized test. Um, I scored in, like, a ridiculous percentile, like, 98 percentile or something on the standardized test. Wow. And that qualified me for uh, the gifted and talented program mm-hmm. in an elementary school. And it was called Tessera, which... I don't know where they came up with that name, but it's kind of fun to say, oh, I'm a Tessera kid. Uh, I don't know. Um, I was the only kid from my school that did it um, fourth, fifth, and sixth grade. So what the way that they set up this gifted program is they would take the kids from their neighborhood schools and they'd put them on a bus and send them to another school once a week. Oh, wow. So I rode my bus alone until we got to the next school oh, no. to pick up another kid. Um, so that was kind of interesting. I was missing 20% of my regular schooling every week. I would go, I, I think fourth and fifth grade, it was every Friday. And then sixth grade, it moved to Thursdays for, for my class, my Tessera class. Right, right. And we'd just go and do whatever projects they wanted the gifted kids to do that year or whatever. It was really cool and fun. I met some really cool people. Some of them are like still really good friends. But right. It was really interesting because coming from a very poor school, I was the only kid that went where some of these other schools that maybe made more money or had more of a more prominent PTA, they would have maybe five or six different kids in the class. So Mm -hmm. it felt like when going into it, it felt like everybody knew somebody else except me. Now, did your classmates from your school, were they like, where are you going? What are you doing? Uh, I think the teacher, like, went over that on the first day. She's like, oh, and Lexi has a second classroom she goes to once a week, which now they, who knows what they were thinking. They would be like, oh, oh, okay, 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 Okay. she's, (laughs) she's our inclusion kid, okay. But I think they figured it out eventually when they were hearing (laughs) about, like, the field trips I was going on. And Were they jealous? I think. Some of them were, but for the most part, I think most kids didn't care. I mean, when you're nine, you're in your own world, you know, like, um, but once like I started getting established in this class and like murdering my friends and it got a lot less intimidating, I think. And yeah, I was still like the poor kid in this class where where, like I came from this background where we were all the poor kid and we all got free lunch and all of that. And it was like the kids who packed their own lunches because they made just too much to qualify for free lunch. Those were the weird kids growing up. But then I moved to this different school and it's, oh no, 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 you're, you're the odd one out, Mm -hmm. which was funny because we were all the odd one. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know, but, um, so yeah, that was uh that was my first uh inkling of being, you know, different. Mm-hmm. Um, which the even further back there were like little things, but it was like, oh yeah, oh, 
I didn't speak until I was four. And then I went straight to preschool and then started kindergarten at four because I have a weird early September birthday. And they were like, well, we're not going to wait. You wait until you're almost six. So we'll just we'll just send you and go for it. Which worked, I guess. Uh, I always kept up in class. I was always I had really good grades through elementary and middle school. Like I was just I liked school as a kid. Right. So when you Um, didn't speak until you were four, did they think that you had some developmental delays? Probably, but I I don't know. I, and again, coming from a poor family and in the 90s, there wasn't a lot of like watching for any of that kind of stuff, you right. know, especially for girls. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, my partner, my boyfriend, yeah. Rob, he he was some, he did the same. He didn't speak for until yeah. he was three or four and then just started speaking full sentences. Yeah, that, that's exactly what it was for me. It's just full sentences. And my aunt loves talking about it. I love my aunt. She's my favorite aunt. <laughs> Even when I didn't speak, everyone knew. Like, <laughs> Lexi likes going to Aunt Michelle's house. Um, and she was joking about how I went from one week not saying a word to the next week I was reading the back of the Cheerios box to her. Right. And like, she thought aliens had abducted me and replaced <laughs> me. Like, just instant switch. And who knows what the catalyst for that was? Maybe I just wanted to talk now, or right? Yeah, wanted to, to wait till I perfected it. Who knows? Yeah. But um, so there was always that kind of like, oh yeah, Lexi's not quite the same as everyone, and that's fine, <laughs> right? Know? No, yeah. And I think our family was mostly fine with it, and it's just like, okay, you know, we're just gonna go with the flow. Um, and then you know, I get around these other weird, those weird gifted kids, and right. uh. Even to them, they're like, this This one's a little too weird. <laughs> uh, I you're remember the, getting the weirdest out of the weird kids. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and then obviously growing up in the 90s, like Harry Potter became a huge thing. And then that became my personality for so many years. And then it was like, oh, she's the weird Harry Potter girl, too. Uh, that kind of stuck for me for years, even into adulthood. Even now, it's like something comes up about Harry Potter news and people are like, oh, did you hear about this? And I've kind of left um, Harry Potter behind me. Um, I'm not going to go on a rant about it, but. Right. Um, I can understand. I, I can understand. I, I think anybody who has like. Been paying attention. Heard anything at all understands that like J.K. Rowling is. Uh, made some statements and made a stance and these are stances that I don't agree with and not stances that I would like to support. So I've kind right. of left Harry Potter in the background, sure. you know, um, but it still comes up because everyone knows, like, I was that girl, right. you know, and I feel like every school had that one kid. <laughs> and for my school, it was me. Right. Um, You didn't, like, dress up during the school day as... I didn't dress up during the school day, but I definitely went to like every midnight showing and every midnight book release. And, you know, I would dress up for those. I wore my little robes and had my little wand. You know, it was fun. Which house were you? Oh, I was Ravenclaw. Oh, okay. (laughs) I'm going to tell you, I ask you that. I don't know enough about it to know what that means, but I know that it's a thing. So, (laughs) Well, the, the description of Ravenclaw is like, the the creatives the witty oh, the, okay. and like the nerd kids like ah they're the so, smart house so that's where you'd be that's where they just threw me right there um <laughs> yeah so i feel like i was kind of defined by a lot of that growing up um and then in high school uh i did drama club for a couple years mm-hmm. which i feel like all the weird sent a 
fall into at some point. Um, but through a couple of friends in that drama club, I found debate. Oh, yeah. And I am a girl who loves to argue and I love being right. So debate just. I wish I'd have done that. I think I would have been good at that. Too. Yeah. There are a lot of different formats that are really fun there. Yeah. But it's like, I feel like debate was just like theater kid light for me. You know? <laughs> uh, it's like, oh, yeah, theater kid, but without the spontaneous bursting into song. Right. Um, but uh, I, my mom always sent me and my siblings to this summer camp growing up. Um, sorry, I'm kind of all over the place telling this, but no, I feel like it's great. like pertinent. No, it's great. Um, so I went there for... 13 summers 12 or 13 summers um and you know that's where I kind of like you know summer camp's kind of where you embrace your weird right like everyone wants to be the weirdest kid at summer camp it's, it's, it's a goal right? everyone loves the weird camp counselor who like wants to do the crazy things right, and, right. um I feel like just that background really like shaped me into embracing it because yeah. I mean, even in high school, you know, I didn't have a lot of friends because that's, oh, that's the weird girl. But like, I was okay with that. Right. And all my friends were like the weird kid too. Yeah. And we just kind of bonded. Had your little weird posse. Well, yeah. <laughs> and it was great. You know, we had, you know, we sat down, we ate lunch together, barely talked, and then we went to class. It was great. <laughs> it was great. Uh, but yeah, I feel like everything I've done since like adulthood is... Oh, yeah, this feels fun because it's, it's kind of like summer camp. <laughs> so like what was the that. summer camp that you went to? Um, it was a camp run through Campfire. Um, it's on Lake Coeur d'Alene in northern Idaho. It's called Camp Sway Lockin. Um, I just went there this past summer for their 100th so anniversary. So you're still going. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I guess I am still going to camp, right? And, you know, we we swam in the lake and we spent the night and had fun. I I stayed in my old cabin from when I was a middle schooler. And that I was feel just... like, oh, man, this takes me back. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> um, actually, one of the staff members at the camp that summer was one of my campers from my first year on staff. Oh, that's funny. And it was really sweet. And he was, you know, he was an energetic eight-year-old when I had him, right? He was a really sweet kid. And, um, you know, as he's walking with me up this new trail that they had placed, which was not the trail that I had now, right? you know, they had moved the trail. Um, you know, he's walking me up to the new trail to the cabin. And he's like, I have a question for you. I was like, all right, shoot, kid, who's like 17 now. <laughs> and he goes, was I, was I a difficult camper? <laughs> and it was like, maybe if you were in someone else's hands, but we just, our energy matched so much. I was like, oh yeah, you, you want to do something crazy? Let's do something crazy. Well, being um, self-aware, though, that's... <laughs> yeah, and uh, I did the counselor and training, the CIT program there growing up, and or in high school, your, for your junior, senior year of high school, do uh, the counselor and training program to be a camp counselor. Um, and we had a counselor for that program who was there to train us. Right. And uh, so our leader, his name was Mr. Frodo at camp. So everyone has their camp name, right? Of course. You know Mr. Frodo is going to be a fun guy. Oh, yes. Um, but the best thing he taught me that I still use with kids that I'm babysitting when like you want to just pass some time for something. Uh, it's an event called squirrel fishing. Squirrel fishing. So you you find a stick. Uh-huh. You find some string or a rope. Uh-huh. And you find like old bits of bread or a bagel or anything. And you give each kid a set. 
and you set them down in the bushes and be like, all right, wait for a squirrel to come by. <laughs> and they're all giddy, but they're trying not to be too loud. And it's like really exciting. And they see a squirrel. It's like, oh, is he going to take it? Is he going to take it? Are we... And like, obviously, the squirrel's always going to get away and the squirrel's going to be fine. But the kids are just oh, loving it. And the time goes by so quick. They don't even mind that they're sitting still while they're doing it. Yeah, you're not doing anything, but you're waiting for a squirrel to come by. It's... My partner is 56. He would totally do that. Yeah, I would do it. When I tell him, when I get home and tell him, he is going to be like, sticks in the car. Okay, let's you know, let's get all of our stuff together. Yeah, so everything is just like, will this give me the serotonin that I get from squirrel fishing? <laughs> all right, let's try it. Um, So then, you know, I... Finished high school barely, you know, that's, I feel like that's kind of the thing for the burnt out gifted kids, right. you know, it's like, oh, you get bored. Right. Yeah. But I graduated on time, which was a miracle. Um, and then I spent the next year or so, um, my best friend's dad got me a job at the local gas station. Mm-hmm. And so I worked there for about a year, but wasn't really doing much else. I had like done like a semester of community college, but I was just still burnt out and just couldn't do it at the time. And, you know, and I was younger than my whole grade. So I was 17 when I graduated Mm -hmm. and couldn't do a lot of things that the other kids did, which was lucky because there was a chance that I may have entered the military if I had been old enough. So uh, I dodged a bullet there. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, mom, for putting me in kindergarten at four. You stopped me from a military career. So, you know, I had a friend, one of my friends had invited me to, um, I would say about sophomore year this started, she invited me to these like ballroom dance classes, like Latin ballroom dance with a focus on salsa dancing. So your sophomore, your sophomore year of high school, I was doing salsa dancing every Friday night. You know, that is not probably what your classmates were doing on Friday. Yeah, probably not. Um, (laughs) But, you know, especially being a kid in Spokane, like growing up, there's a lot of kid friendly activities and there's a lot of activities once you're an adult. But those teenage years, Mm -hmm. there was nothing for us, you know. So we would go into downtown Spokane and we would go salsa dancing at Simply Dance Studios, five dollars a head every week social salsa dancing and then was we were other leave. people your age yeah it was all other high schoolers like all my so age this, this whole group of high schoolers in the 90s were like well the, hey. well <laughs> so i graduated in 2009 oh, okay. so this I was guess, like okay, 2007 even then, was when i was going. yeah it's a even, little weird yeah, yeah. <laughs> um and then afterwards we'd walk the three blocks down to one of the local like 24-hour diners satellite sure. diner which they're still open i think they just announced that they'd been open for like 25 years or something wow. but you know we'd go down there we'd get pancakes and then we'd all go home and uh, my friend, bless her heart, we lived on opposite sides of town. She would drive me home every night. Oh, yeah. and I was all the way up on the north side and she lived on the south hill with everyone else. And she would drive me all the way home and back. And we did what what we call a division trip. And we still do this now anytime I visit. Um, so division is the main arterial in Spokane. It's a huge street, goes all the way north to south. Uh, so we just take division all the way up to take me home. And we would blast music and roll down the windows and was yell out the window. Music? No, it was just like, you know. Um, 2009. Whatever yeah, called. like mid-2000s yeah. rap, hip-hop, R&B. Yeah, some Gwen Stefani. Yeah, yeah, throw some Spice Girls in <laughs> right. there. 
Outcast, hey y'all. That was always a good one. Oh, like yeah. um Bulletproof by La- <laughs> that one's still on the playlist. And we would just like and we'd drive and like we'd see a random person walking down the street and we'd just be like, hey, out the window. Because <laughs> y'all were so cool like that. Yeah, we it was just ridiculous <laughs> teenagers just being crazy. And finally she you know, she dropped me off at home and then we that became a tradition every week. That, mm-hmm. Like she would do that for me. Um but through the that dancing classes, I met one of my best friends. Um, his name is Alden. Um, and like, it was kind of weird because he was more, more one of those more like more popular kids, but uh-huh. like, still a weirdo, but like popular kind of weirdo. Right. But I was very definitely not. And we went mm-hmm. to different high schools. And I think that helped our friendship a lot. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he ended up moving to Portland. Um just a year after graduation from high school, we graduated the same year, different mm-hmm. schools. Um, he moved down here seeking out a music career and, you know, kind of finding himself to that age, that 17 to 21 year old age where you just don't know what you're doing with your life. And now I'm 31 and still don't know what I'm doing. I but will be 49 in two weeks. Have no clue. Happy so. birthday. <laughs> oh, thanks. <laughs> um, but he had moved down here and I had visited once with the debate team, you know, uh-huh. and I was, one of my friends from the debate team reminded me of this later. She's like, yeah, on that trip, you told everyone you were going to move to Portland. And none of us believed you because you always say you're going to move to whatever city that we're right, visiting. Right, that right. Week. And she's like, but then you did it. <laughs> uh, and the reason I did, I still remember, I was very impulsive as a kid. Mm-hmm. So impulsive. It was just like, oh, this sounds fun. Let's do it. Mm-hmm. Which now as an adult, I realize that's probably ADHD. Uh, um, Again. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. Um. So he texted me one day when I'm working at this gas station job, like six months after he had moved down. Um, We had become friends because we both liked the same band, which was Muse. And this was before the Twilight movies had come out. Right. Which is, I think, is when Muse really exploded for kids in our age group, which I love me some Twilight. But being the Harry (laughs) Potter kid, I had to be like, oh, yeah, that's not cool. Where now I'm like, I will watch Twilight any day. Let's let's watch it. Let's go. Let's go. Um. But, you know, we had both loved the band Muse. Um, we both liked Harry Potter. Me definitely more so than him, I think. But he, like, tolerated it. Right. <laughs> um, so, you know, it was kind of just one of those weird friendships that just uh, by happenstance, right? Right. Um, so then, you know, two years later, he moved down here. I'm, you know, working at a gas station. And I just get a random text from him, which we do sometimes. You just randomly text your best friend. Um, and he texted me and he goes, hey, you should move to Portland. And I said. Okay. He's like, cool. Can I pick you up in two weeks? And I said, sure. Which wow. is never anything I would possibly do at this point in my life. But when you're 19 and working at a gas station. What else you got to do? Sounds fun. Yeah. You know, and I, Why you know, I put in my two weeks that day and I like started getting things ready to move and giving stuff away to friends, which now I realize they were maybe a little worried for my mental health at that point where I'm like, I'm going to save these. Hey, I'm later. leaving. Do you want all of my clothes? And then when they realized that it was because I was moving, I think they were a little bit less stressed about it. But <laughs> it was very sudden for everybody, but right. especially me. Like, I told everyone as soon as I knew. Um, I moved down. I had no job, no housing. Uh, my first couple weeks here, I stayed with a friend of mine that I met through, like, the, an internet, like, thread. So you like, didn't even, like, stay with your... No, he had no room in his place. 
<laughs> so, so you want to move down here? I don't insane. have room for you. You got to figure that yeah, out. Yeah, he's like, figure it out. But like, come down. I'll give you a ride. I was like, all right. So by whatever luck the universe gave me, I made it through. And I, I, I ride on the universe's luck right. every day uh-huh. at, least at this point. But I just ended up really lucky for me. Um, and when I was staying with this friend, I, you know, I was like, Craigslist was the place to go for housing and jobs back then. Yeah, it's terrifying. Um, yeah, so I found a live-in nanny job on Craigslist. Okay, so you're like score. Which I'm like, you can live there. This day, absolutely would never do this. Right. But again, this was this was 2011 at this right. point. So, um, went with it, moved in, had had this live-in nanny job. I worked this live-in nanny job for about a little over a year, maybe a year and a half. And like I'm still really good friends with the mom I worked for. Um, she had a six-year-old son at the time who now is a he's about to graduate he's high school. Out. And I'm like, oh my goodness, this kind of kid just right. grew up before my this kid is an insane musician. <laughs> he plays guitar, he plays bass, and he's just so talented and really creative kid. And it's so cool like seeing him like grow and sparkle in that way, you know. That kid's gonna go far for sure. But like <laughs> You know, so then like, you know, that that position comes to an end. Um, I moved in with another friend for a little while. Finally got my my own apartment with a roommate. Things didn't end well there. I moved in with another friend. It was just insane. But um, through like this back and forth, back and forth of like different. And I was always working an odd job or a side hustle. I was always babysitting, nannying or like. I was doing bar trivia for a while, like hosting, because they just needed a host and I had been going long enough. And I did that for a while. It's it's always had a side gig or something else going on just to make things work because I didn't want to go back to Spokane and be like, oh, I failed. Right. Now, was that a big transition? Because Spokane is kind of a small country lol town yeah you know um spokane is weird because like technically it's a blue city but it's so close that like there's so many conservative like um viewpoints around town and you see them a lot Mm -hmm. um to moving to portland where it was like hey you're you and you're not hurting anybody go for it you know um and yeah, I think there was a bit of that transition for me there. But I think also being 19, I wasn't as aware of it. Right. You know? um, especially since my family was mostly Democrats anyway, yeah. at, at least left leaning. Yeah. So you weren't. Yeah. It wasn't as big <laughs> of a like. Oh, yeah. Like, see, drink the Kool-Aid. <laughs> yeah. And like in high school, back when I thought I was straight, I was in like the GSA and all about the like. Like the Westboro Baptist Church came to our high school at one point. I don't remember why, but they did. Like as a, were they protesting your school? Yeah, they were protesting our school for something. But we were like out there counter protesting. And when you're 16, that seems like really cool. Right. Right. So, you know, you know, I always did that kind of stuff. Yeah. I I don't know why they were after school, honestly, probably because we had a GSA. But right. Who knows? Um. So I know there might be maybe younger listeners, uh, GSA is the Gay Straight Alliance. I know some schools call it like the Rainbow Alliance or just queer club or queer support or whatever they, they call it. They would never days, have but... had that in my hometown. Yeah. <laughs> they should, but um, they would have never. Yeah, but I was, you know, I've always had this like very strong sense of social justice, even though I didn't quite understand right. what it was or why. I was just like, 
hey, you're not treating these people right. Treat them better. Right. I mean, that's just basic decency is what it is. Yeah. And um, so, you know, you know, I thought I was straight because I was like, oh, yeah, I like guys. So Mm -hmm. can't be a lesbian. Definitely straight. Um, Which now it took me until I was like 26 to be like, oh, bisexuality is an option here. (laughs) (laughs) Which definitely buy for sure. Maybe. Who knows? Maybe that'll change. Maybe. You know, I'm 31. Gender and sexuality is... You'll grow out of it. They're spectrums. You know, they, they, <laughs> they go back and forth. But um, So, yeah, through uh, another one of my roommates in this three or four year span of in and out of roommates. And right. I feel like everyone goes through that period in their 20s. Um, one of those roommates found a posting for a board game night mm. at a, uh, one of the local bars. Um I still go to this bar. It's called My Father's Place. It's mm-hmm. in inner Southeast Portland. It's a well-known dive bar. Uh-huh. Uh, I actually went there not too long ago, like a couple weeks ago. Yeah, I was there like three nights ago. So. For a stand-up comedy there the night I went. Yeah. Um, so I went there. I went to this board game night. Um, you know, met some new friends. Some of them are still friends. Um, I would say I know like 10 or 12 people from that event that I'm still friends with. Wow. Um, one of which being my husband, who when we first met, I was 21 and he was still 20. And because this event was at a bar, he had to be on the opposite side of the bar, like on the other side of this wall in like the diner area that they have during the day. And that's where he had to sit for board game night. And we had to bring board games over to him and sit and play with him. (laughs) And me being me and seeing someone like excluded, I was like... Oh, well, we're going to go play games with this guy. Uh-huh. And then, you know, we we became friends. He finally turned 21. And I was like, all right, buddy. Back over to the bar. Come side. on to the big kid's <laughs> side. And then, you know, we knew each other for maybe six or seven months. Um, and then one day I didn't have a ride home uh, for what? Yeah, I didn't have a car at the time. So usually I rode home with one of my roommates, but none of them had gone that night. Mm-hmm. And so he offered to drive me home in his dad's truck. Um, he's going to get so mad at me for telling this story on the air, but I'm doing it anyway. Do it, do I think it. it's, I think it's adorable. He was mortified when he found out my side of the story. Um, so he drove me home in his dad's truck and like, I leaned over the center console to give him a hug goodnight before I got out of the truck. Um, and he kissed me. Yeah. I now know that he thought that I was going for a kiss. So he was just <laughs> returning it. But I was just like, all right, cool. This guy likes me. I I kind of like this guy. I'm going to kiss him back. So I kissed him back. I went to bed, you know. Right. Whatever. Um, and then we had our first date a couple of days later. And uh, now we're married. We've been married. <laughs> uh, this year marks 10 years together. Wow. Yeah. So um, love you, Colin. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry for mortifying you. At, I I oh, think it could have been so much worse. Yeah. Been After so we were engaged, when it was when he found out that, like, I didn't kiss him first, he was convinced that I had kissed him first, but he had kissed me first. Um, but yeah, so I met, you know. And now a word from our sponsor, me. What does having a background in senior health care have to do with being a mortgage broker? More than you think. When I was in senior health care, it was my job to sit down with families and discuss personal, private information, discuss options, look for solutions, and help the senior and their loved ones through the transition. I spent years and years doing that. 
Today, I kind of do the same thing. Buying a home can be intimidating, scary. You have to feel comfortable disclosing very personal details, especially about income and debt. And you have to feel a sense of trust. Even though the business itself is transactional, the relationship with me is not. I feel that it's very important to build that trust and comfort with my clients. It means that I might be looking at their situation on the weekend or evenings, that I'll be doing problem solving with them, and that I'll be holding their hand throughout the whole process. At the end of the day, this should be a very relational experience. I'm so happy to help you walk through it. To talk to me about a mortgage in Oregon or Washington, contact me at christine at tworiversmtg.com. That's C-H-R-I-S-T-I-N-E at T-W-O-R-I-V-E-R-S-M-T-G.com or call me at 903-343-1370 in MLS 224-8608. And now back to your program. I started dating Colin about a year into our relationship. He started through one of his friends. Uh, this is where we're get, getting into the the topic of this podcast. Right. Um, through a friend of his, he found out about this pinball charity called Pinball Outreach Project. And they were looking for volunteers just to run their pinball arcade for kids during the day. The kids got two hours of free play every day. And then after that, it was like $5 a day unlimited pinball for kids. Sure. Just a just a way to keep kids yeah, occupying off the streets? or Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Just give kids a positive outlet, mm-hmm. something to do. And once you start learning the rules of pinball, you learn how to improve as a player. So a lot of the kids that came through there were like improving as players too so they were like building these skills Um, there's rules yes every pinball machine has new rules and saps um so when you walk up to a pinball machine i thought it was just like as fast as you can yeah so that's part of it sometimes (laughs) uh but when you walk up to the pinball machine if you look on the lower left there's like a little index card and it'll basically tell you the main shots that you want to go for but it's like on some machines, you want to shoot for the ramp or you want to shoot the drop targets or you want to collect something. And it's such an interesting game because it's that combination of you are physically pushing a button and hitting a physical stainless steel ball mm-hmm. around a physical wood play field, Track. hitting plastic, <laughs> pizza plastic to collect digital points. Right. And it's... For your digital video game. Uh-huh. It's a it's a weird kind of combination, but I love it. And the right, right. combination it's of very physics physical. There. Yeah. It's <laughs> great. Um but so he started volunteering there. And a couple of years later, I joined him and started volunteering there. And that's when I started learning how to play pinball because I was the same as you. I was just like, Yeah, you go and you flip the flippers and you hit the things and you have a good time, right? Right, right. And he's like, Yeah, sort of. <laughs> but there's more. And then I found out about pinball tournaments and pinball leagues. and So tournaments, I mean, so you just play in whatever points you collect goes like on a board or something? Because uh, you don't play with other people. So yes and no. Okay. So I'm learning so much about yeah, pinball. So you can make a pinball game multiplayer just like any other game in the arcade. Okay. Um, so when you press that start button... If you have more than one credit, you can press the start button again and add the second player or the third or the fourth. Had and no then idea. pinball you can have is four people. Yeah. 
Oh, wow. Okay. And then pinball is three balls. So player one will play ball one and then it'll be player two's turn to play ball one. So everyone kinda plays their like, ball one. like bowling. Yep. And then you go back and you ball two and then ball three. Um, and there's different formats for pinball tournaments, right? So um, eventually I got into hosting pinball tournaments. So the format that I like to do for my events, because I like getting new people into pinball, I'm always trying to get more people to come play with me and more people to figure it out, which you should definitely come to a tournament. Oh, well, I'm going to have to now. Yeah, so for I sure. Can... You'll see my posts on Facebook yes, all I the do. time. Yes, I do, yeah. <laughs> um, so the tournaments I like to do are just simple three-strike head-to-head knockouts. So what that means, you're assigned to one opponent per round, and... Uh, every time you play in a tournament, they assign your machine. You don't pick your machine for most tournaments. Does it matter which machine you're on? Um, yeah, because they have different rules. And if um, you're familiar with one, you're probably better at it than yeah. one that you're not familiar with, you know? So kind of um, throw you throw you off your game. <laughs> yeah. So there is beginner's luck though. Every time I'm like, it's my first time playing a game in a tournament, I tend to do pretty well. So there is that too. <laughs> and I think a lot of it is not knowing what you're doing. So you're right. just going for everything and seeing what works. Right. Um, so yeah, so these, these tournaments happen. I do the three strike knockouts. If you lose, you get a strike. And then after three strikes, you're out of the tournament. Done. Mm -hmm. Easy. I feel like it's very easy to understand for Mm -hmm. new players. Uh, seasoned players know what they're doing. They know, you know, it's great. Um, but then there's also tournaments that have four player setups and, uh, those are typical match plays and your score matters in that, uh, Whoever gets the highest score on the machine gets first place on that machine. And then they'll they'll give you points based on that. So it'll be, oh, first place gets seven points. Second place gets five points. Third place gets three and fourth place gets one. And then after a set set of matches, which they usually do five rounds, the people with the highest points based on that system. So like after five rounds, the maximum points you could have is 35. Yeah. Uh, so then they take the top set of players and then they go to finals and then they play for usually cash prizes. Um, there's a full sanctioned system. Like it's, it, there's world rankings. It's, wow. it's insane, but I definitely like, you know, fell down that rabbit hole early and now I'm into this stuff. Um, so this past year, I barely qualified for the women's state championship for Oregon. Uh, this was the first year that they did official um, IFPA is the International Flipper Pinball Association. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's it's big. It's it's like it's the NFL of pinball. Right, <laughs> right. Uh, jerseys. <laughs> you know, we could. We should do that. Um, but they are the ones that sanction the events and check the check the rankings and put all the rankings out. Um so I qualified for the 16 woman event at seed 14. <laughs> so I I just barely made it in, right? Oh yeah. Um uh, but I did, uh, which was great. That was a great event. Uh, that was this past January. So for 2022, for the women's championships, it ended up in January 2023. Um, and I took second place in that tournament. And it was insane. And it was all day. And I was tired and hungry and upset and didn't want to be there. I I was not feeling well that day. I was just super anxious. I almost stepped out of the tournament. But my friend was like, nope, we're going to go to the tournament. You're going to go mm-hmm. and we're going to have a great time. And so we went to the tournament and she was actually my opponent in the final round. We both made it to finals together. So that was my friend Brenna who did that. And um, the format for the finals was a best of seven. And we went to game seven 
and we both had three points. We both had beat each other three times, and it came down to that final game. And I picked the game because I had lost the last round. Right. Um, so I picked Captain Fantastic, which is an older game. Uh, it's an Elden John theme. Of course. It's, it's great. I was like, okay, I've won on this game all day. Right. I just need to win on it one more time. But then, you know, I feel like all the pressure got to me and everything. And I was like, I was, this was my mistake here. I, uh, in these championships, they give you a 30 second warm up every game, every round, if you want it. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, I'm going to skip my warm up. Mm. So I just went in and played it. And I should have just warmed up just to like calm myself down a bit right. and just get in the zone. But I I didn't. And that had worked for me throughout the most of the night. But it was fine. Brenna beat my score on her last ball. So I did make her play everything. Right. I held my own. Um, and she ended up taking, taking the championship. And I'm so proud of her. She is an excellent player, even better human being. She's fantastic. Um, so it was really cool seeing like one of my best friends win. Right. The tournament. Even if um, it was against you. Yeah, absolutely. I I don't like obviously I love competition, sure. but like I don't believe that competition has to um overshadow community. Right. Right. Like I can be competitive with someone and still be so proud of them and so happy that they win. And I think everybody can. And I feel like more people should embrace that. Well, the competition should be with yourself. Yeah, not, absolutely. Not with like you're the enemy. I yeah. have to defeat you. It's to, you know, I'm going to play the very best I can. And Yeah. And I did not play my best that round. And she did not play her best that round either. She definitely could have wiped out my score. However, right. what she did do was better than what I did. And right. that is not her fault. <laughs> you know. Right. Uh, she, she played better than me. And that's the end. Um, so you must have, I mean, doing this as much as you do, hosting and everything else, there must be a strong pinball community. Yes. So we're going to backtrack a little bit. Okay. So all the way through 2019, Pittsburgh was actually the city for pinball. Um, Pennsylvania? Yeah. Okay. Um, and every year they had a big convention called Replay FX. It was just a gaming convention a charity charity a convention that included the world's largest pinball tournament. It was a thousand player tournament. Oh my goodness. And it was like multi-day. Um, and that tournament was called Pinberg. Okay. And the, the competition to get tickets for that tournament was insane. And <clears throat> in 2019, when tickets went on sale, I was there and I was ready and I got my tickets like had been checked out. After, like, I think they were up on sale for a minute, mm. right? I'd gone through the checkout screen and I was on the wait list already. Mm-hmm. But I was high up on the wait list. I was, like, within 100 players. Mm-hmm. So when you're within that, that close to it, you're probably going to have a pretty good chance of getting to go because right. people cancel, they get sick, they can't go, yeah, they can't afford it. Whatever reason that they can't go to this event in the following year, those slots open up and then you move up the wait list. So I knew, okay, I'm high enough on the wait list. If I just fly out, I'll get to play in this tournament. Right. However, that tournament was scheduled for summer 2020. 
Nobody played that tournament. So we all know what happened there. Uh Uh, It got postponed to 2021. (laughs) Before the 2021 event, uh, just a couple of months before it was supposed to happen, they announced that they were actually permanently ending the convention. Oh, forever. Uh, They just couldn't afford to keep it going after COVID, unfortunately. Um, And so what happened there is all of these, there was a, there's a Pennsylvania pinball organization I don't know what the acronym stands for off the top of my head, but it's P-A-P-A or PAPA. Okay. And they were headquartered in Pittsburgh. Um, And because Pinburg was no longer happening, they sold off a bunch of their machines to people throughout the country. Sure. Um, And because of that happening, pinball, uh, Portland now has more pinball machines than any other city in the United States. Really? Yes. Wow. Uh, So Portland is the place for pinball. And strip clubs. I mean, who knew? Yeah. Pinball and strip clubs. Go hand and, in hand. And weight stores. I mean, like, yeah, that is, that's Portland in a nutshell. Yeah. <laughs> Good city. If you have, Good city. <laughs> if you have any vices like strippers or weed or pinball. <laughs> um, we got you covered. <laughs> yeah. Um, so in pin, in Portland, we have the Portland Pinball League, which is a non-sanctioned pinball team league. So. You can have up to 10 players on your team. You play against other teams. Everyone has their home bar. Mm-hmm. So you're the, the home team or the away team. And you go, away team picks their games first in a doubles round. So it's two players versus two players. Mm-hmm. And that one, you add up your team's scores on the four-player game. Okay. And whoever has the highest wins that round. It gets two points for their team. And then it goes to singles where the home team picks their games. So then it's head-to-head. Whoever wins gets one point for their team. And then it's just back and forth. It's just... Away picks doubles, home picks singles, away picks singles, and away picks doubles, or, or home picks doubles. And then at the end of the night, you've had a potential 16 points. Right. If you have nine or more, you win. Right. <laughs> um, so then there, there's that league. Um, I'm the captain of my team. We're based out of Ground Control Arcade, where I work. Right. Um, so you spend a lot of time there. Yes, I spend a lot of time <laughs> in Ground Control. And uh, there's a... There's, there's another ground control team. They were there first. Um, their team started with a bunch of players who played a lot of the fighting games at ground control. Uh, so they named their team GKO. Okay. Which is like TKO when you're playing like a boxing game right. or anything like that. Um, so we were trying to come up with a fun name for our team. I was like, oh, GK. And then like uh, being a 90s kid, I had an N64. Right. I played Donkey Kong 64 so much. And on that game, there's the Donkey Kong rap. Yeah. And there's a part where it goes, huh, D-K, Donkey Kong. And so I'm with my friends and I just go, G-K, Donkey Kong. And then we're just laughing and we're like, you know what? We're going to do this because, you know, uh, my boss and my best friend and a bunch of my coworkers are on GKO and they're like the serious team. Like right. everyone wants to try to beat them because they're a pretty well-skilled team. Sure. You know, I was like, yeah, we're going to be Gonky Kong. <laughs> and we are. We're great. We're Gonky Kong now. Um, so I'm the captain of Gonky Kong. Um, and I keep joking. Anytime someone asks what GKO stands for, now I tell them that it stands for Gonky Kong Originals. <laughs> and my friend hates it. My friend Dylan, he's the uh, promotionals manager at Ground Control. He hates it. But like in a friendly way. We're, sure. We have this friendship of gentle ribbing all the time. (laughs) So when you have new people come in and they're they're curious about, you know, 
do they just start out as being like players that come into ground control and then they come in more often, more often, and then they start to see that there is leagues and all of that and they start getting interested? Is that kind of how people progress? Yeah, I would say that's pretty common. And it's not just in our bar. Sometimes, you know, like my father's place, the bar I mentioned before, they have a room that has about, I would say maybe 10 pinball machines in it at the bar. So if someone goes there for a drink and they're like, oh, there's a pinball machine there. I'm going to throw 50 cents in. I'm going to play a game. Oh, this person on this machine has this huge high score. I'm going to try to beat it. How do I beat the score? And then it just kind of gets into, you know, the same way someone falls into being. (laughs) Not not quite gambling because there is skill. Actually, the history of pinball is very, very interesting in that. For a couple decades, pinball was outlawed because it was considered gambling. Um, there's a bunch of pinball machines at the bottom of the Hudson River because the mayor <laughs> of New York hated pinball and demanded they be destroyed. Hated the river. So yeah, I guess. Well. Well, I mean, this was this was like prohibition era. Like, right. <laughs> uh, it was insane. But then um, there's a movie coming out this year called Pinball. Um, and it's all about Roger Sharp, who. Um, I think it's his sons that founded the IFBA. Um, he saved pinball. He went in front of, I think it was New York State Congress, um, and he called his shots on a pinball machine and hit every single one to prove that it is a game of skill and not gambling. If there's not a drunk history on this, yeah, I would there be needs shocked. to be. I'll go on it. I'll be the person. Um, we are, there's a graphic novel about it. Uh, it's great. So pinball was outlawed for years because people considered it to be gambling. Right. But it really is a game of skill. You don't win skill. money, though. So not like in that sense, you know. Yeah. It doesn't, it, like, shoot out coins. So that was the thing is the old, old, oldest version of pinball machines, uh, kids could win a stick of gum. Oh, heaven forbid. Yeah. So then it was gambling because <laughs> you're playing for a prize. Right, and- right. It's so. What the hell so did they silly. think claw machines were? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who knows? Um, but so that's kind of the history. So now, like pinball came back. It dipped for a while in the mid nineties um, until Pat Lawler, who is my favorite pinball designer. I love almost every game he's put out. Um, he designed the Adams Family pinball machine. Okay. Which to this day is the best-selling pinball machine of all time. Hmm. Um, and it saved the pinball industry. It got people back into pinball in the 90s. Was it the theme or was it the game itself? I think it was a little bit of both because obviously Adam's Family was huge. And mm-hmm. this this game was based off the live-action movie. Sure. Um, and so people were familiar with the, the, with the theme. Yeah. And then he just... He has this skill of using toys and mechanics to make the game feel whimsical. Okay. Where it's like you shoot the ball in one hole and it pops out another side of the game and you have to be ready to catch it. And it's just, you know, there's moving parts. Surprises. There's, yeah, there's a box with thing and he comes out and the hand comes out and picks up your ball and locks oh, it well, for yeah. the multi-ball. And it's there's the electric chair that you need to shoot in to start your modes. It's just, there's so many different moving parts to it that it's just... It's magical to play, right? Right, right. And I think even just for an, a beginner player, they're like, wow, this game is crazy. It's on so many people's, like, favorite games list. It's, it's definitely on my top ten, probably my top five. But <laughs> I, I've played so many pinball machines now that I, I love all of them. Um, but it's, it, we, have, we have one at ground control, and it's 
if anyone's playing a pinball machine, that's usually the first one they're playing. So we, we get people in, a new person comes in, they're just getting into pinball and then they just meet the people, right? If you're coming right. to a place where there's pinball, you will find someone from the pinball community within a couple hours for right. sure. Um, and then you meet them and then somebody's going to mention it, right? Um, and then at Ground Control, we have this big projector and it has all of our upcoming events that it like cycles through them as like advertisements, basically. Sure. And people will see, oh, pinball tournament this upcoming week. Let's go. And I host a women's pinball tournament, too. So that comes up. So then we get a lot of new women playing. And then I'm like, oh, by the way, there's an open tournament, too. If you want to bring your friends um, who don't want to play in a women's tournament or who don't qualify to play in a women's tournament, bring them to the open tournament. Let's go. And uh, my women's tournaments, um, I run them as as inclusive events. So non-binary players are welcome right. to come. I was going to ask you that. Yeah. yeah. Obviously, trans women are more than welcome in a women's tournament. It's if you are if you feel that that event is for you. Mm -hmm. and you're comfortable being listed in the women's ranking system, mm -hmm. you're more than welcome to play. I'm not the gender police. Come right. on, we're going to play pinball. <laughs> right, right. Respect that this is a safe place for women, yeah. and we're going to play. And That's awesome. I've had zero issues with it. Every player that's come through has been so kind, compassionate, supportive. It's been really cool to see, like, you know, players like me and my friend Brenna, who is the current state champion for women, She's coming and playing in these tournaments and we're playing with people who have never played in a tournament in their lives mm. and everybody is having a good time. And that's those are the kind of events that I love running. Not a lot of Karens um, in the uh, pinball world. <laughs> uh, well, I'm uh, not going to name names uh -oh. <laughs> with, with every community. Once it hits a once it hits a certain size, there's sure. always going to be <laughs> drama somewhere. Of course. I try to stay out of it. That's my stance on it is we're here to play pinball. Let's have fun. Set it aside for 10 minutes. <laughs> you know, and I think everyone's pretty respectful of that. Like everyone's going to have their interpersonal issues. Sure. Um, you know, lots of drama in the pinball world. But all of us were regularly getting beat by a 12 year old who is now about to turn 21. So, right. and that's the thing is a lot of these tournaments are at bars. Yeah. So he can't come and play in those tournaments, but that kid's going to be 21 oh, this man. upcoming May and he's going to kick all of our butts again and we're just going to have to deal with it. Wow. Uh, you know, and that's, I kind of put that in perspective for people. I'm like, yeah, you're acting all serious now and you're acting like this is so dramatic. But remember, this 21-year-old kid is about to come in and kick all our butts. So He's just, just been waiting. And... He's been counting down the days. <laughs> <laughs> He's actually such a really humble kid. I, love him. I, I call him a kid. He's a kid. He's yeah, an adult now. He's about to turn 21. <laughs> but he was 12 when I met him. Right. So he's 12. He's 12 He'll, forever, he forever in my be. mind. <laughs> I remember the first time I beat him, too. I was so excited. He was probably like 15 at the time. And I was just like. I beat you, Colin. His name is Colin Urban. He's well known in the pinball world. Um, but I'm just like, I beat you, Colin. Uh, I ran a tournament last night. Uh, he's off at college right now. And it was in a bar, so he couldn't play anyway. Uh, but his parents came out and they've mm -hmm. been coming to tournaments for years. So I got to, you know, talk to them, catch up a little bit. It's great. Um, especially post-COVID, we're just seeing a lot of people come back. Right. Um, so it's people that I haven't seen in three or four years. You know, my friend's wife was pregnant at the end of 2019 and she had a baby early 2020. And we, you know, I got to see a photo of him at like one tournament and then the world shut down. Yeah. And now he has a full <laughs> toddler who's about to turn three. He'll be playing and before you know it. It's <laughs> insane. 
Yeah, and he is he does play. They they own a couple of machines at home. So oh, he, that's funny. you know, his little toddler plays. <laughs> you know, he's still got some skills to build. Right, you know, flip right. one flipper at a time. Watch where the ball's going, but nudge. But he's three. So right now it's just flipping and having fun. You're supposed to flip them one at a time? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's... Again, don't worry, I'll take you out. We'll again, have to do, I'm just like... Yeah, I'll have to... We'll have to do a sequel, a follow-up video of me teaching pinball. I love it. What I have to do is I got to record myself at these different events that I'm going to and just be like, hey, this is... Yeah, it'll be fun. We'll have we'll add a vlog to the podcast. Yes. A TikTok page. Yes. I love TikTok. I'm obsessed. Awesome. Well, we'll talk about the TikTok event they're having in this space oh, coming up quite yeah. i i am ready for that yes so that'll be a whole big tiktok yeah. thing i'm still i'm still trying to navigate i i know how to do tiktoks it's the one thing i'm timid about and i don't know why i'm not timid about anything but i'm timid about filming myself doing a tiktok who knows oh, why? yeah we'll just remember it's Nobody about cares. a minute long yeah. and someone's just gonna scroll and then they're, they're done that's it that's what i do and yet it still is paralyzing i don't know why <laughs> just put the videos out into the universe it's a blast um so so what do you have planned as far as um events coming up um there's a few events that i'm really excited for um I talked about I run our women's event. Mm-hmm. Um, that is the first Wednesday of every month. It's our FLIP tournament. Stands for Fantastic Ladies in Pinball. Sure. It's like glow in yeah. wrestling. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's, um, I mean, so there must be a lot of women who are doing this then. Yeah. Um, so IFPA just created the women's division a couple of years ago. Then COVID hit and everything shut down for a while. But now we're doing like women's state championships. And next year, hopefully, it'll move on to women's nationals. There Mm -hmm. is a women's world tournament. And that's just, um, you don't have to qualify for that through your state. It's just they take the top qualified women in the country and get their, send them their invite and send them on. Um, But yeah, so I run the women's event. The second Monday of every month, I run an open three-strike tournament. Um, so that format I explained earlier with mm-hmm. the head-to-head, assign you to a machine, assign you to an opponent, go play, tell me who wins. Um, I love running those. Um, next month, I'm really excited. March 8th is International Women's Day. Oh. Um, so I went through all of the credits on all of the pinball machines at Ground Control where I work. So it's a lot easier to host events at a place where you can be working right, there. So right. um not trying to show bias to ground control, but I'm showing a little bias right, here. Right. Um and so I found about I think 12 machines on the list that had women on the design team. So now I'm breaking down that list and we're gonna run a tournament that highlights women in pinball design. Hmm. And each uh game is gonna have a card on the backer for each woman, each woman on the design team and what they did for that game. So people can learn and kind of know, oh, oh, wow, really? This woman worked on this game and this game. I love both of these games. Oh, wow, this woman did the artwork here. I know friends with a tattoo of that artwork. And that was a woman on the design team in the 90s who did that, you know, and it's just. It's so weird because I never gave any thought to there are designers of pinball games and, you know, oh, there was controversy with pinball. I mean, that's, that's very fascinating. But you you think, you know, video games are still in the tech industry, you right, know, so right. it's still a very male-dominated industry. Oh, yeah. So 
you know, highlighting the women who contributed to this is has become a big deal for me. No, <laughs> I think that's like, fantastic. It's so fun. And I'm learning new things every time, like, you know, with pinball being banned and all of that stuff and um, just what went into creating the hobby that I enjoy today, right? And and different inventions throughout time that have created the modern pinball machine, right? Like mm-hmm. now games have magnets under the play field that'll catch your ball and throw it in a different direction and <laughs> all sorts of things that you're like, wait, what? <laughs> Electric shock. Like it's literally just a shock through a coil that makes that flipper go up every time. Right. It's just that little electric signal. But the original pinball machines didn't have electricity. They were pachinko machines. Yeah. You just pull and let the ball fall and that's how you want, you know, and watching them grow. And like now the newest pinball machines have little LCD screens on them. And that's where your score is. And right, they can show right. video clips. And so like at Ground Control, we have a Guardians of the Galaxy machine. So when you hit certain shots, it'll show a little clip from the movie. Uh-huh. And same with um, we have the Godzilla pinball machine. It does that. Uh, we have an Iron Maiden machine. So like it shows like animations of like things from I guess Iron Maiden albums I'm not as familiar with the band but like I love the game so yeah it's (laughs) where like before that it was the dot matrix displays where it was like those little red dots which most of the pinball machines we know were probably from that era like the 90s early 2000s um and you know you could see a little video happen on those screens but it wasn't quite you know it wasn't an actual tv screen in there and then you know before that we have the solid state machines which are like oh, the numbers are digital, that's cool. But then before that, it's the electrical mechanical where it's like the, you get the spinner reels right. by the scores. Like, and it, it's just like, you go back and back and back. And you're like, wow, this thing has evolved. And what's going to be next, you know? Yeah, I mean, there's no telling. They're talking <laughs> about virtual pinball and... Um, well, I'm sure that they, I mean, we have a VR set. I'm sure that they... Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they, they can there. do crazy things with those. I mm-hmm. mean... You know, the program that I used, Supernatural, which is a, mm-hmm. like an exercise program. I mean, when you hit balls with the bats, I mean, you feel it. Yeah. So there probably will be, you know, yeah, if there's not already, I'm sure there yeah. is. I and I know um, Stern, who is like the biggest pinball manufacturer these days, um, they released Stern Insider a couple of years ago. So now you can log in with a QR code to these machines and you mm-hmm. can track your stats. Wow. and like go for certain achievements it's like oh can you destroy the building five times in godzilla in one game oh you're gonna get a little achievement for that it's like xbox live achievements you know and yeah me always chasing that dopamine i'm like <laughs> yes i'm gonna go for this and um so at ground control we have leaderboards for all the games so you can see like where you are with every everyone else for that month on that game and oh what's his high score oh i can beat that i'm gonna go and play that game some more <laughs> oh i love the history of pinball but you know, you just get me into a tournament and I'm I'm there for the day. Yeah. I don't care if I lose right in the beginning. I'm I'm gonna sit there and watch. I'm gonna watch the finals. You know, all of these people have become my friends now, you yeah, know. Yeah. So I'm like, yeah, oh my friend's still playing. I'm gonna watch the end. You gotta go or, support, yeah. Or oh, this player that I don't know but I have heard of mm-hmm. is playing in the finals. I wanna see what his strategy on this game is, you know. Things like that. And next month, I'm also going to a tournament in California. Okay. Uh, it's a memorial tournament. Um, Lyman Sheets Jr. was a very well-known pinball coder. Um, unfortunately, he took his own life last year. Mm. 
Um, so we're doing a fundraiser tournament for um, some mental health organizations. Oh, wow. Um, in California, which my friend Greg, who ran Portland Outreach Projects. Mm-hmm. Or sorry, Pinball Outreach Project. Oh, so uh, there's yeah. a... Okay. Greg, who ran POP, which is Pinball Outreach Project, which is how I got into pinball. Right, right. He now lives in California. And mm-hmm. he he worked at Williams Pinball in the 90s. So he knew Lyman Sheets, who okay. was this coder. Um, so he ran this tournament last year that I went to, and I'm going to go again this year. Um, but it's just a memorial tournament for Lyman Sheets. And um, last year I met some of his old coworkers, and I heard really cool stories about what it was like working for these companies in the mm-hmm. 90s because i know the games that came out yeah. and i know the names but i don't know anything about the behind the scenes so it gave me that really interesting behind the scenes information and now i get to go and like maybe hear more stories but also like support a really good cause oh, for sure and um yeah i gotta see greg <laughs> he's yeah. really cool everyone everyone in portland knows greg um and he's done a lot for Pinball Irish Project. At Pop is where I found my favorite pinball machine. First time I'd ever played it. It's called Stars. Because I know this question always comes up. What's your favorite machine? Yeah. Stars. It's um, it's a Stern machine. It came out in 1979. I might be off by a year or two, but late 70s. Um, And the whole theme is collecting stars. So you roll over a part of the play field that has like a little button on it. And if the ball hits that button one of the stars lights up. Mm-hmm. And if you collect all five stars, or um, there's little stand-up targets on the side that you can hit to collect the stars. Once you have all the stars, you shoot for the spinner, and then the spinner is worth more points the more mm-hmm. stars you've collected. Mm-hmm. So then you can hear it. And it still has physical bells and chimes on the inside. Right. So when you spin, it's going ding, 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 ding. And it's like such a beautiful game. And I love it. And they had one at Pop, and I put up the high score on that one. Oh, yeah. And he told me that the high score is still there. Uh, they moved it out of pop. One of the other things that Pinball Outreach Project does, other than um, they they did close their hoard coders in Portland. They're no longer, like, based anywhere. Um, but they still bring pinball machines to, like, places like hospitals and children's hospitals mm-hmm. where kids are going to be there for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the kids have something to do, you know. Yeah. Um, so my pinball machine is currently at one of those children's hospitals but i still have the high score so <laughs> come on kids do a little better <laughs> no i think that's awesome wow that's i mean what yeah, there's so much crazy yeah pinball oh. can do a lot of good in the world so i'm gonna have to make sure and i know we will but brooks who's um his episode is coming out this week i was just on his uh basement buddies podcast oh and he he didn't know about you coming on, but he was talking about how he hates pinball. Not for long. But he will listen to this because he's good about listening to my episodes. And he might have a little bit better appreciation for pinball. I definitely yeah, there's, do. There's a lot. There's so much. And I, I still consider myself a very average player. Like, um, if you look at my rankings compared to the people who play the same amount of tournaments as I do I'm right in the middle almost every time like smack dab in the middle um so I actually have a t-shirt that I bought online that says world of world's okayest pinballer <laughs> it's my favorite shirt but now it's kind of worn out I gotta you get a new you one you didn't but... even have to have that special made that there was no that it was, was on already some pinball could... <laughs> merch website one of them I want to say it was double danger which every pinball merch site I love like their name is like some pinball team so yeah. You know, on a pinball machine, you might tilt, right? Mm-hmm, but sure. first, it'll give you a danger. 
Most of them give you three warnings. It's danger, double danger, and then tilt. Right. So, you know, naming your pinball company double danger. I kind of love that. <laughs> um, my friend owns a a women's run uh, pinball merch shop. It has more like feminine designs and stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's called soft plunge because when you pull the plunger on the pinball machine, you can right. pull it soft or hard and soft plunge pinball. And there's, you know, the number one Twitch streamer for pinball is called dead flip, which is like, it's a technique in, um, you let the ball bounce off your flipper to the other flipper and then you flip. Uh-huh. So it's a dead flip. You're letting it bounce okay. without actually flipping. Okay. Um. So like every, everyone's named after some like niche thing in pinball. And I, I kind of love that too. There's, <laughs> there's just so many cute things about pinball. Just... Now, isn't it loud in there? Sometimes. Yeah. Um. For many, many of my tournaments, I would wear like noise isolating earmuffs, uh-huh. not ear- not headphones, because I didn't like the music playing. I'd like to know what was around me. So I wore these like earmuffs, like you would see workers wear on like a construction site. Uh-huh. It's just like ear protection, and it helps like isolate that noise. Um. I've now uh, I now have a pair of AirPods Pro that work really well for me. But you'll see a lot of players wearing earbuds or headphones or something to block out the noise. But some players like to, uh. <laughs> I get this we call it raw dogging it where they just <laughs> go and let the sounds happen around them and just go. But for me and my sensory issues, I need something to isolate it where I still know where everyone is. Because if you touch me and I'm not expecting it, I'm gonna lose that. Right, ball. right. If I know that I might get bummed and I'm aware of it, yeah, I'll be fine. You know, um, but yeah, it, it can get loud, especially you know if you're running a hundred person tournament or whatever. I can't know. even imagine. It's, it's because they're not quiet machines. I mean, that's kind yeah. of their thing is to bing, 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 you know. Like, yeah. And, then, you know, a lot of the newer ones are they're mostly digital sounds and have a volume control. So you can just turn it down. But, yeah, especially in an arcade, you're you're expecting to hear the pew pews of oh, yeah, everything yeah. around you. So, And I'm sure for a lot of people that are especially like that mm-hmm. kind of competitive, they enjoy that. It's it's yeah. a satisfying. Yeah. And if you're if you're playing a machine, you know. The sounds can definitely help you. Like, you know, sometimes games will play a little sound effect when the ball's coming back down so you know to, like, be ready to flip it. Right. Or, you know, if you, you know, sometimes they do what's called a call-out, which you get a voice actor, and they say, shoot the right ramp or whatever, which, speaking of voice acting and pinball, another fun fact, um, there's a pinball machine from 1998. It's called Medieval Madness. Okay. Um, you're trying to destroy castles and rule the kingdom, right? Sure. Uh, but there's two ramps, and the right ramp is the damsel ramp. And if you hit it enough times, you get to save the damsel from the dragon. And, of course, there's a voice actress for that, and she the, the damsel's voice is Tina Fey. Shut up. Yeah, so Tina Fey is a voice on a pinball machine. And to this day, I don't know how that happened, because it's... From well before she was like super well known. That that yeah. But yeah, Tina Fey is a voice actress on the Medieval Madness pinball machine. Oh my god, how funny! Yeah, and I'm just like okay, yeah, yeah. Of all the actresses you could have named, I mean that would that would not even never hit never my, thought of no. it. But um, yeah, I'm excited to see what new themes come out. If we get more, like you you'll see celebrities getting into pinball here and there especially with stern they're such a big company now mm-hmm. they'll do their celebrity partnerships and you'll see it on their instagram or they'll go to an event and i think they had ozzy osbourne signing at their <laughs> booth at an event recently it's sure. like okay so are you announcing like you know an ozzy osbourne pinball machine coming out right. like what's happening here 
Um, so that's the current rumors. Because why would he be? But it's also like pinball has this history of people seeing it as like seedy or grungy. Or, right. So it's like rock yeah, and roll. Yeah, all these yeah. rock and roll stars are like, are like yeah, like. You know, we have a Kiss pinball machine. We have an ACDC pinball machine. We have an Aerosmith pinball machine. You Mm -hmm. know, like, we have all of those games already. So I don't see very many, like, Keith Urban uh, pinball. (laughs) No, I don't think we have any country music pinball machines. Then maybe that's the niche. Uh, Give me uh, the Chicks pinball machine. I'd play that. Taylor Swift? Taylor Swift pinball? I'm here for it. Like, let's do it. I think all of it comes down to, like, licensing and rights and IPs. But I, I personally really like those uh, unique themes that aren't based on. Right. It's not it's and, not pop, pop. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, so there's one that we have at Ground Control that was designed by Pat Lawler, my favorite mm-hmm. pinball designer. Mm-hmm. It's called Dialed mm-hmm. In. And it's just like you run this like city where mm-hmm. like everything is like high tech or whatever. And you're trying to save it from random disasters. And it's fun, but it's also like a unique theme as opposed to. Oh, Godzilla pinball, which right. I love. I love Godzilla pinball. Do not get me wrong. You know, Twilight Zone pinball. I love Twilight Zone. Iron Maiden. But, like, those are, like, well-known IPs as right, opposed right, right. to just, you know, or, like, another big machine that we have is Attack from Mars, which is its own unique theme where it's like, oh, yeah, it's alien invasion, so it's not, like, an actual, like, brand. Right. Um, now, there was a Attack from Mars movie. That's Mars Attacks. You might be right. Not the same movie, although yeah, I do love I that movie. <laughs> uh, you can tell that, like, they definitely took some jokes here and yeah. there. It's like, I'm like, oh, that's really niche. I like that. Um, and it's when pinball machines have Easter eggs. So, like, this is the thing with Williams machines. Almost every game has a cow in it somewhere. <laughs> just for <laughs> that's fun. That's just his thing is, like, cows. Yeah. It's like, well, Williams was the company, so I don't know if it was company-wide or just with this, like, team of people, but... On Attack from Mars, you know, when you hit a shot, the um, saucer comes down and it abducts a cow and, uh, you know, comes down, abducts the cow and flies away. And mm-hmm. then you get medieval madness. And if you hit the catapult, uh, you flip at the right time to get a certain thing like launched at the castle or whatever. And one of the options on there is the cow. <laughs> it's just they, they pop up. And then um, in uh, Keith El- Keith Elwin is a pinball player who now designs pinball machines for Stern. And in his Jurassic Park game, there's goats. There's a goat multiball. Sure. Uh, and in um, Godzilla, when you hit one of the shots, there's a very small chance that the video scene will just be a goat rotating. Like like he's like the head henchman or something he's like on this rotating chair and he just spins and looks at you and to me that's the biggest achievement in the game if i get the go i don't care what my score is i won (laughs) um so it's just funny seeing these like easter eggs and pinball machines you're like who came up with that why is that there but it's fun it's just like any other video game you know there's the konami code um up up down down left right up up down down left right left right ba start select you know um a lot of games from the 80s and 90s, if you put in this code or a portion of it, it'll give you something special or fun. And it used hmm. to be like, you know, sometimes you get an extra life or whatever you want. And it's, it's just these cheat codes that you learn. And pinball machines will have those too, like flipper codes. Like before you hit start, if you hit the flippers in a certain sequence, they'll have something for you. And it's just like, okay. Oh, but how does that. like the general population know that? They don't. It's all so you Easter be... eggs. It's little secret codes. Hmm. And, it, you know, I remember playing games on consoles and 
in the 90s as a kid. And if you knew the cheat codes, you could get all sorts of stuff. And I played The Sims. If you had her Sims cheat code, I think I think that might be your common trend on all of your guests. Ask them if they played The Sims. Okay. I bet you they all did. I think that's a thing. Like people who played The Sims are just a different breed of people. But I but I have not. You should play The Sims. So I need to play pinball. I need to play The Sims. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> there's a lot of things I need to do. Yeah. So I Anybody who ever wants to talk to me about pinball, please feel free to do so. Oh, you definitely have a passion for it. There is no doubt. <laughs> oh, no. Um, no, this is, I I mean, it's completely eye-opening. You know, I mean, I thought it was funny that there was a a, a women's competitive pinball tournament. That's mm-hmm. the least interesting thing you said <laughs> out of all of this. And it was still very interesting. But of, of all of those things that... I mean, I wouldn't even, I, it would have never even occurred to me. None of that stuff that you even brought up has been anything I would have ever given a thought to. And I've played, I've been in an arcade and yeah. played pinball. It's been a long, long time. When I go in and do it now, I will definitely have, um, I will be looking at it completely different. Yeah. And I've only been competitive for like six, seven years now. There are people who've been playing competitively for 15 years or since I was a kid, you know, and there's so much and there's always something you can learn from somebody about something. And they're like, oh, did you know that if you hit this shot and then this shot, this happens? No, I've been playing this game for three years and I did not know that. (laughs) Or um, one thing that helps me win on a lot of games that apparently people don't know is some games let you collect items that you can use, right? Like on Monster Bash, which is one of my favorite games. Um... It'll let you collect an item for each monster. So, like, say I'm playing Dracula mode. Uh, If I have a garlic clove, I can hit the plunge button, and it'll give me a shot on Dracula without me actually having to hit the shot. Hmm. So it'll give me the points for it and say that I did it, even though I didn't. And I've won on that because, oh, my ball was raining, and I hit that, and it let me finish the mode. It gave me however many million more points, and I won because of it because the other player didn't know that they could use their items that way, you know? So it's... Every single person you play with will give you something new that you can learn and better and improve yourself. And I love that. And I love the community that comes around pinball. You know, mm-hmm. there's there's Twitch streams where, like I mentioned before, like yeah. I've watched Dead Flip streams for the last five years or so. And now he's designing pinball machines for the same company. Um, but, you know, you're sitting there watching someone play pinball and then you just pose in the chat, oh, what was that? And then he can either explain it or someone else in the chat can explain it. And it's such a community of like just sharing our knowledge to Mm -hmm. help everyone just improve and do better and have more fun as players. And I just love all of that. What a, what a positive thing, you know, um, and I've mentioned this before on some of my interviews, but one of the things, you know, talk about common threads is a lot of weird people, Mm -hmm. weird organizations, weird out there. I mean, they're giving back. Yeah. You know, with, with different organizations, they build communities of like-minded people. Yeah. And I mean, and all of these things are so positive. And I think that we need to encourage that, that positivity mm-hmm. more and, yeah. and, uh, and, and, and see this weird for, for what it is. I mean, it's, it's fun, you know, um, it could yeah. be silly. It could be, you know, I mean, way more interesting than I ever would have thought. Uh, but builds that community. That's so cool. Yeah. And I'm a big supporter of 
what I call found family. Oh, yeah. Me too. You know, you find your family and those are people who you're going to stick with for the rest of your life. And like, I can't say a single negative thing about anyone that I've met in the pitbull community. They're all so great for their own unique reasons. You know, we have um, a well-known author or like really successful author who plays pinball with us. We have um, a lot of people who work in the tech industry for tech companies. Um, one of our players does what's called bike polo or you play polo, but on bikes. I don't oh. quite understand it, but like that's a thing. You know, everyone is such such an interesting person. If you sit down for 10 minutes and just talk to them. I might need his number. You learn so much. You call him up and be like, hey, you want to be on this podcast? Talk about bike polo. <laughs> you know, I have, there's so many people that do so many things. There's a former competitive swimmer and he like collects quilts and he's part of the pinball community. And there's just so many people that have so many different backgrounds, but then they just like, found pinball and got into it and it's it's great like that's so funny and then you you get to learn about all of these people and their backgrounds and uh my really really good friend sean you know he works at nike and mm -hmm. you know he owns pinball machines at his house and you know so it's like i can go over there you and, can, play pinball with you him and nike, like yeah. and like <laughs> chat with him and yeah and he's he's great uh, but you know i get to know his kids and you know, one of his kids is getting to the age where they're about to graduate high school. And then the other one is like still in elementary school. And, um, you know, I used to come over and read bedtime stories to the younger one. And he named my car. And... Squirrel hunting. And... Yeah, squirrel, squirrel fishing. fishing. Yeah, squirrel fishing. gotta go squirrel fishing. Definitely. <laughs> that should be a pinball theme. That's what I'm going to, I'm going to send an email. Be like, all right, here's your theme. Or like, Make it a mode, like a video mode on a game, just squirrel fishing multiball or something. We're going to be I reaching would... out to drunk history. We're... <laughs> yeah. Squirrel fishing is the way to go. But yeah, it's, you know, these, uh, you get to learn so much more about people through this community. And I think this can happen in any community, but I feel like uh, pinball just really fosters this like acceptance because it's like, oh yeah, we're all already in this weird hobby. Yeah. Let's talk more. Like, what do you do? And, you know, I have a friend that's a, that's an engineer and. You know, another friend that works like, I don't know what he does. He works in a lab and does science things. And I, too, too big for my brain. He does you know? things. Like, everyone's so much cooler than me, but also like, they don't act like they're cooler than me type people, you know. Right. And you get a lot of people in the Because everybody's on the same. Yeah. Playing ground at that moment. Literally yeah, playing ground at, at that, that point. Yeah. We're both going to be playing Star Wars pinball. So right. I hope you're into Star Wars pinball because otherwise you're not going to have a good time. Uh, it's, you know. You you take people from all these different walks of life, and then we're just going to sit here and we're going to push a couple of buttons and hit a ball around and leave, you right. know, and that's it. And it feels great. <laughs> wow. Well, I yeah. think I think this is really cool. I think that I'm going to start paying a little bit more attention to these kind of things. I'm going to come check yeah. out pinball again um, yeah. with this new information because it has sparked an interest. Uh -huh. And now every time I travel too, uh, I I use this app. It's called Pinball Map. It has all of the publicly available it's like pinball the weed machines. Map, yeah, yeah. You know. <laughs> it's all the publicly available pinball machines near you. It'll tell you what the location is and what games they have. And you can just go and play. So like right next to where I parked my car, there's a Godzilla machine in there, and I'm gonna go and I'm gonna play, and then I'm gonna go home. Like I already know. Like it's it's a bug. You catch the bug. Oh man, who knew? Yeah. Who even knew? Well, this has 
Very cool. Um, I'm going to have links where they can follow you and see where your tournaments are. Yeah, absolutely. They definitely need to come and check these out and look at this in a whole new light. Yeah, Um, um, I'm really accessible on all social media, mm -hmm. um, especially if you tag me on like Twitter. Um, I'll see that pretty quickly and I'll respond. I'm I'm an open book. I'm totally happy to talk about pinball to anybody who's interested. It's way more interesting than I would have ever even. I thought it was an interesting concept. It's way more interesting than I would have even thought. It's deep. It's deep. And I feel like I just touched the surface. And your your passion for it. That's another thing. I mean, it kind of draws you into that. That's so funny. But no, I love it. And and yeah, we'll maybe this will spark a whole new a whole new group of uh, potential pinballers. and Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Coming to Ground Control Arcade. Uh, I work I work the door on Friday nights, typically taking covers. So if you're over 21, you can see me there. Yeah. Like, hey, I heard you on the podcast. I'll be like, that's cool. Hi, I'm a weirdo <laughs> in real life. <laughs> Here's me in real life. Yeah. <laughs> Here's what I look like. <laughs> well, this is a video. They'll know that Yeah, anyway. they will see the video too. I've been listening to it on <laughs> Apple Podcasts. That's right. where I listen to podcasts in my car. I listen right, to podcasts right. when I drive, so. Well, um, this is way cool thank you so much for being here this was i mean super fun yeah thank you for having me i had a blast (laughs) i got to talk about football for over an hour right like you don't do that in your you know day to day (laughs) well awesome lexi well we'll give everybody all the information and thank you so much yeah thank you for having me you know i do these shows because i'm wanting to follow the journey of people who found their true authentic selves But today I was a little blown away about how interesting I found the facts and history of pinball. Who knew? Not only does it make me want to learn more about the games, like their designers or Easter eggs and the sordid history of it all, but also gives me a desire to play and learn more about the fun of the game. Who knows? Maybe one day I'll be on a leap. Thank you so much to Lexi Whitmore for talking to us today and sharing her enthusiasm of pinball. Look for links on where to follow Lexi in the description below. Also, thank you for our sponsor, Christine Lassiter of Two Rivers Mortgage. To email or contact Christine for the mortgage in Oregon or Washington, you know what to do. And be sure to like, subscribe, and share this podcast so more people can find out how I'm finding my own weird. <laughs>